I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Have you ever been curious about the tarot and how it works to provide insight to your life? Today, I have Richard, a tarot expert who is going to talk to you all about the wonders of tarot. And he is so incredibly knowledgeable on this subject, you guys. He is just going to blow your mind with the backstories dating all the way back to the 1400s um, when these oracle cards were originally created. And not only that, but he does a spontaneous reading for me over the podcast. I can't wait for you to hear it. Are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Well, thank you very much. And I'm I'm truly uh, really excited for my own personal reasons to chat with you today. Um, and I would love for you to kind of let the listeners know about your expertise in the wonderful world of tarot. Could you introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Richard Reich Kuykendall, and I've been um, doing tarot readings for about 30 years. And I also did my doctoral dissertation on the history and meaning of the Tarot. Wow. Uh, that's just absolutely incredible. And I feel like 30 years ago, um, at least in the Western world, Tarot was a very taboo, maybe even dark topic. Yes. And hopefully we'll get to talk about that. Yes, I, I would love to talk about that. I'd love to, to kind of go that direction. So for those listeners who may not be fully aware, uh, what what is Tarot? What are Oracle cards? Um, can you kind of give the lowdown on, on what they are, generally speaking, and then we can tap into the energetic component? Okay. Well, Tarot, what Tarot is depends on different, times in history. Um, from the 1400s to the 1700s, um, it was basically just a game people played. Um, and um, from what I've read in different history books, it seems like it was something along the lines of, of bridge, you know, but different. But anyway, then in uh, the 1700s, a gentleman by the name of Atea, a Frenchman, uh, during the from about 1770 to 1791, uh, started writing books on tarot uh, for for use in doing readings on people, and that's kind of when that that began in the 1700s, and then it wasn't until the 1900s, the early 1900s, actually the very end of the 1800s, the beginning of the 1900s, it became associated with the occult. So that's 500 years after it began, that it began to be associated with the cult. Wow. And um, now, what do people see tarot as? Uh, what did people use it for today? Well, people mainly use it today for doing readings, and that's what I do. And um, anyway, that's that's what most people use them for. 
And these readings, they shed insight to your life or how does that work? Yeah, um, I think that the, the main thing readings do is they give insight into a person's life and um, they it's done in the reading itself. Uh, the reader uses their own intuition uh, guided by uh, the meaning of the cards. Um, and there are 78 cards in the deck. And um, so that's 78 possible meanings. But then um, we also use, many readers also use reverse meanings of cards. So that gives 156 possibilities. So uh, to me, when I've compared it like to people that do psychic readings or clairvoyant readings and things like that, um, I think they're a lot more general than what I can do with tarot. I can get really specific. And oftentimes after I do reading, people will say, that's exactly what's happening in my life right now. So what about the naysayers who say, well, that is just so general and, you know, that could apply to anything. Well, how do you kind of counter counter that? I say, let me give you a reading <laughs> and let's and let's find out how general it was. Wow. So um, so in particular, you're able to look at the cards, depending on whether they're, you know, right side or reverse and are able to really tap into specific things, events, people that are happening um, in other people's lives. Yes. And then but I want to say one thing. Um, I don't see myself as a fortune teller because um, in readings, I always come to what is known as the outcome card, which is kind of what's going to happen in the future. But the future that that outcome card is only the future that will happen if they continue on their present course. Right. Okay. So if it's a, if it's a good outcome, well, stay on the course. And if it's not a good outcome, then you have to think of what you need to change. So it doesn't end up there. So one of the, one of the things that I'm kind of thinking about is I recently watched this movie called wine country. I don't, I don't know if you've seen it. It's a bit of a yep. flick. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Yeah, so there's the scene where the, the tarot reader comes to the, the house that they're having the girls weekend at, and she pretty much, you know, that they draw the death card, and she kind of goes through this whole thing where she's like, this is all the bad stuff in your life. This is all the bad stuff in your life. What about what about that? This is kind of the pop culture, you know, way that tarot is shown. What about that? piece of it and how do you kind of counter the idea that death uh the death card may appear and and you know there's the whole death is new beginnings thing but how, how do you counter that well um first of all <laughs> when i do a reading it's very rare you'd get all those cards i mean there's only one death card in the whole deck and there's 78 cards and like i said if you have reverse meanings there's 156 and so it's very unlikely that you get the death card. And when you get the death card upright, I usually say, and there have been a couple times when I've done readings and I find out that that person just lost a loved one. Oh, so okay. the death is literal. But in most cases, death means like the end of a relationship, the end of a job, the end of a phase of your life. 
And then if the death card is reversed, it doesn't even mean that a person's going to die. It, it means that's not going to happen. But, but you're right, in popular culture, like in television or on, in movies, whenever they show the tarot, they'll show like the devil card and death card and all that kind of negative stuff. And that's what keeps people in the mindset that it's something of the occult. You know, do you believe that elemental forces or energetic forces are, are at play when people are getting the reading? How does their energy play into it? Well, I, I, I'll tell you about the elementals in a minute. But I, I think it's their own energy is what's playing into it. And I see that myself, through my intuition and the meaning of the cards, tap into their energy. And that's how I'm able to, to read what's going on in their lives. As far as elementals, the, is what I think of when I think of the elementals, um, the, the tarot is divided into two parts. There's what's called the major arcana or the trump cards, which are the first 22, and they're just pitcher cards. Kind of like the Joker in a regular deck of cards. You know, the Joker's different from the suits. Then there's the suit cards, and each of the suits is by, uh, is informed by one of the four elements. So uh, the suit of cups is the element of water. The suit of swords is the element of air. The suit of rods or wands is the suit of fire. And the suit of um, pentacles, and I'm going to talk about that in a second, is actually um, the, the suit of the earth. Now, I wanted to say something about pentacles. Pentacles were never on tarot cards until the early 1900s. Before that, they were always just the suit of coins. Oh, wow. And so what happened is when the occult, um, and it was a group of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, got a hold of it, they started putting pentacles or pentagrams on the coins. So that's another problem when you're doing tarot and they see those, they think, oh, it's satanic or something, you know, but that's yeah. not how they originally were. Well, that's really interesting. And so uh, how did the occult affect the whole process in general? I mean, did it, did it tend to, to, you know, I mean, where, where was their backstory? How did they, how did they get involved? Well, what happened just to take one group, uh, which is the most famous group, um, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn had um, uh, a number of people that did tarot cards. Um, Arthur Waite uh, of the Waite Rider deck um, made a deck, and today it's Rider was the publisher, so now they people call it the White the Waite Smith deck because. Pamela Coleman Smith was the artist and Arthur Waite was the designer. Then uh, Alistair Crowley, who was also a member of the Golden Dawn, uh, he designed a deck and the artist for his was Lady Frida Harris. Um, others, uh, McGregor Mathers was another member and they made a Golden Dawn deck. And um, they used the tarot in their 
rituals. They did not use it for divination or doing readings. Um, they did it specifically for rituals. And they were, you know, <laughs> they they were like an order like the Masons uh, and some of these groups. And so they had secret rituals that they did with them. And so if if and so they did these secret rituals, and um, then people just assumed that they were almost demonic or something like that because they were using. Right, the, and then and then plus, you know, you you start seeing decks that have pentagrams on them and stuff like that, and it starts looking different. I remember one time a couple years ago, I had two people came in the store where I work, and um, one of the women was a Christian from Israel, and the other woman was a friend of hers from the States here, and she came in for a reading. I invited her uh, to join us, you know, be, if her friend was willing, you know, and her, her no problem with her with friend from Israel seeing whatever came up, but she refused. And she, I asked her why, and she said she wouldn't have anything to do with the de- with something that had the devil in it. And mm-hmm. I said, well, I said, well, you read the Bible. She said, of course I do. I said, well, the devil's all through there. It's only one time in the tarot. And um, uh, anyway, she didn't do it anyway. But but that's a really that's a really good perspective. And so many of these different um, resources or tools or, or whatnot have um, so much weight in the way of what popular culture has kind of assigned with them in the in the past. So that's just a really good perspective. Um, Now, one of the things that I've noticed a lot more of lately is that there are a lot of Oracle cards that are coming out. Right. um, You know, beyond tarot. What do you think about that? How do you feel about that? Well, um, I, I like them. I, um, (laughs) at our work, we have this whole basket full of different kind of Oracle cards and, a lot of times, it, uh, Oracle cards are a lot easier. I mean, they're user-friendly for an individual because, you know, with tarot or tarot, it can be pronounced either way, like tomato, tomato, <laughs> you know. But anyway, um, tarot cards take a lot of uh, education. You have to learn the meanings of them and everything. And so it takes a lot of education to do it. Um, but Oracle cards are user-friendly in that all you need to do is you can shuffle the cards and just pull a card for the day. And, it, and it's a, supposed to be an Oracle. In other words, something that is telling you some truth for the day. And some of, some of them will uh, have you pull a 
like two or three cards or something like that. But it's very different than tarot um, in terms of uh, having a very specific kind of reading. Um, in most cases, oracle cards won't um, tell you your situation in life and how to deal with it or um, how to resolve issues and things like that. Um, but tarot does. And um, so oracle cards to me are more of something for, to give you inspiration for the day. Right. Like know. a mantra or an affirmation or something like sure. that. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so we talk about like intuition and being maybe divinely guided. Where do you uh-huh. have two questions? How do you clear your energy and mm-hmm. how, where do you gather your insight or your, um, or kind of your, your intuitive nature into what the cards are telling you? Well, um, how I've, uh, it's been a loss, you know, since I've been doing it around 30 years. Um, you know, in the beginning I had certain rituals I went through where certain way and that and prepare a certain way and um and then i had different views and things but um more recently i've tried to be um almost totally intuitive in that um i lay out my cards not according to any certain uh layout because a layout will have meanings for instance if you're doing Celtic cross uh, famous layout for tarot cards. Most any tarot reader will know how to do that particular layout. Um, each position has a meaning. Uh, for instance, there's a, a, a position called relationships. And so what happens is when the tarot card falls into the relationship thing, whatever that card is modifies is modified by relationships. You know what I'm saying? So, wow. Yeah. So it, it kind of tweaks the meaning of the actual card by the position it's in. Right. So what I've done is I've gotten away from doing that and I just do a spread that has no positions named, no time element, named because in a in the celtic cross you have um uh the recent past the near future and so forth uh which are time elements i don't i just lay out the cards i lay out 10 cards and they're not really in a specific pattern as such um and there's no meaning to the places where they're put and so i just completely rely on my intuition of the meaning of the card and the timing of the card and what it applies to, whether it applies to relationship or what it applies to. And, um, and I like doing that a lot better. I recently went to a reader and she laid out the cards and I've been to many over the years. Um, And my first experience was uh, down in San Diego. And actually uh, the woman was so spot on with knowing nothing about me. And 
uh, what she kind of saw and what she predicted was like above and beyond anything that I think she could have gotten from cards. So that was interesting to me. It was like, well, how does she, where is she getting this energy from? And then I had a different situation with this more recent reader that I went to where she laid the cards out. Same thing. It wasn't a classic Celtic cross or anything like that. And, um, she and what she said was really timely and applicable and in the end Uh i said could i take a a photo of the cards and she said no because the card what she saw on the cards wasn't at all what she was telling me and i was curious about that that's very weird see i always after i do a reading ask the person to take a picture of the cards and the reason why i do that is i say some of the things that I've touched on today, um, especially if they're having to do with, because even though I don't have any positions or anything, I always have what I call the outcome card, you know? And um, so they have to, they, they take a picture of that and I tell them to remember those cards and what we've talked about. And then one day, you might see that outcome actually manifested. Wow. And I was kind of mind blown by the fact that she was, that she said no, you know, I was kind of like, well, that's suspicious. I, you know, I, I thought kind of the same thing because um, in the past, I've always had somebody so distinctly reference the card and what the card means. Right. And I was curious to see if you ever veer out of that or if it's always what's in the cards. No, it's always in the cards. I mean, it's it. I can modify it, and the and the reason why I can do that is no card has one meaning, right? And so, since the cards have different meanings, it's the intuition that tells you which one goes for this particular reading. And so how, so where does that come from? How, how do you get that? I mean, I, I kind of know or have a sense of where my own intuition regarding things in my own life comes from. And even when I'm out in a group setting or something like that, picking up on different cues or something, but, but how does that work for you with a perfect stranger you've maybe never met before? Well, I, I definitely believe in um, spirit, God, however you want to refer to it. And um, I feel like I'm led by spirit to, to do what I'm doing and in my intuition and so forth. Well, that, that definitely makes a lot. I think a lot of people can relate to the feeling of trusting uh, a greater power. Right. So, so uh, what advice do you have for people who want to get started? And what would you say for people who might be listening that are like completely afraid? Okay. As far as getting started, uh, I'll just tell a quick story. I How I learned um, 30 some years ago. Anyway, I, I teach this thing called Spirit Wind, where we study all different kinds of spiritual paths and philosophies and things like that and the first year I was doing it I've been doing it for 30 years too and the first year I did it um, on my birthday they had a birthday party for me and one of the women there was a tarot reader and she gave me my first reading as a tarot present and then it, it wasn't just the reading what she did is then she gave me three of her tarot cards 
And she said, I just want you to spend some time this week. Just put them in your pocket and look at them whenever you get a chance. And she kept doing that week after week until she had given me her whole deck and she told me I could keep it. And um, so that's, I mean, I, I learned the cards that way. And then I, you know, after that, I got some books to learn about how to do the spreads and all that kind of stuff. So that's, I, I think that's the easiest way to learn. I mean, it takes time, but that's the easiest way. And um, for people that have problems with it, um, you know, I don't know, not everyone would like this. Um, but as far as um, I would say Judeo-Christian people from those traditions, um, and even uh, Muslims, for that matter, um, the Tarot developed during a time when there was only the church. In the, in the 1400s in northern, Europe, in northern Italy, where the Tarot cards originated, all there was at that time was the church. There, there was not even a Protestants or anything. It was just the Catholic Church. And um, because of that, the, the tarot is full of biblical imagery. And um, though Jews and Muslims aren't Christians, they do know biblical imagery from the Quran and, and from the Hebrew Bible. And those images are all in there. For instance, the strength card that right now has a woman um, subduing um, a lion, uh, but not out of brute strength, just you know, holding its head and that, um, originally had a, the picture of Samson slaying a lion. Hmm. And if you go back to all these things, you find that it's just full of biblical imagery. And to me, if, if a person, you know, is open to considering that, they can at least, it, it can help towards them not thinking that they're evil. Right, right. Well, what about people who are just afraid of what it's going to tell them? Oh, yeah. Well, what I tell them is, if you remember the story, A Christmas Carol, three spirits come to Scrooge in the night, and the last one that comes is the the um, spirit of Christmas future. And the spirit takes him to the graveyard and he sees his headstone and he sees his name on the headstone. And he asks the spirit, is this the future that must be or the future that may be? And the spirit doesn't answer him. The next thing he knows, he wakes up in his bed. It's Christmas morning. And what does he do? He goes out, he throws money out the window, uh, tells him to buy a turkey for the Cratchits and all that stuff. And what he basically did is he changed the future. And so I tell a person, no matter how scary a reading might seem, the outcome is always up to them. Ooh, I they can that. always they can always change it just like Scrooge changed it. The so outcome there's, is always up to them. That's just so true of life. 
Right. And, and once they know that there's nothing to be afraid of. Wow. I love that. That, that is definitely very inspirational. Now, um, kind of, kind of along that topic, how, do you feel like in the world are changing their perspectives for alternative medicine? Do you believe that people are maybe becoming enlightened or more intuitive in general? Do you agree with that? What do you, what have you seen in 30 years? Well, <laughs> I was reading not too long ago, Will Durant's history of philosophy. And um, he made a comment in there when he was talking about Plato, that the thing that gave the, the Greek people a philosophy was leisure. You know, when you think of, when when you think of people that are in like, for instance, third world countries today, when they're just struggling to put a roof over their head and food in their mouth, or if you think of people like in places, war-torn places like uh, Kuwait and um, Syria and these different places around the world that are war-torn, those people are just thinking of survival. In order for people to, it's kind of sad when you think about it, but in order for people to be in become enlightened, they have to have the room in their life to to have that. Wow! And if you're struggling just to survive, there's no room in there to pursue a spiritual path that that leads to enlightenment. Wow! Um, privilege, yeah, that definitely plays into uh, into that for certain. Absolutely, and such a good point that you bring up. Um, I think sometimes in the Western world, in the, you know, first world, we don't consider that as um, because because we are with privilege. Um, So what about the fact that some of these medicines um, and, you know, we can start talking about uh, Reiki, chakra work, um, tarot, how they all acupuncture, acupressure. Uh, some of these Eastern modalities and things like that. How do they work together? And um, do you feel that people are becoming more receptive to them? Yeah. I mean, I, I am also a Reiki master and, um, and I see all of those modalities. um, And besides Reiki, there's healing touch. There's other things, you know, and there, it's all energy work. And I believe that, um, you know, I just got through teaching a four-week class on the chakras. And um, that involves energy work as well. And I believe that, you know, the energy of intuition in that is also involved in the tarot. And so how can people who maybe feel completely disconnected with this notion at all, how can they start to get in touch with their intuitive self? (laughs) Well, uh, a good place would be to start reading some stuff in whatever they're drawn to. I mean, some people are going to be drawn to um, energy healing. Some people will be drawn to doing um, readings or having readings. Um, and uh, for instance, I just talked to a good friend of mine today, uh, Paul Miner. He's an amazing numerologist. 
Oh and, yeah, yeah. And um, and as a matter of fact, you know, <laughs> he he's uh, retired. I mean, he still does it on the side, but he used to work with me, and and a lot of times people would um, come to him instead of me <laughs> because they're not afraid of numbers. Right. <laughs> and, and people can relate to that. And they see numbers. Sometimes people start seeing repeating numbers. I always look at the clock when it's 1210 or something like that. What does it right. mean? Right, right. So, but that you bring up an interesting point because um, I, I often just being in kind of the hippie realm that I'm in, I have friends and stuff that will come to me with that kind of thing. And they'll be like, I look at the clock at 1123 every day. And I do think that that is just one way that they're start, starting to tap into this idea that energetically there is something bigger at play, a bigger force at play. And um, I, I love when people start to become receptive to these messages that are all around us. Yeah, definitely. As a matter of fact, tomorrow night, I'm actually leading a workshop in nature um, at the Dave Moore Trail. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing some Shinrin Roku forest bathing um, just to kind of silence to hear and see what else might be there. What what else might be coming for you, which is kind of probably wow. a lot of what you do, I would assume. Yeah, probably. Um, so... On that note, I, I do want to uh, see if you can share how people can get in touch with you. I do have national listeners. How can they get in touch with you for things? Um, and, and how about the local listeners as well? Okay. Well, one thing I can do, I do readings, uh, long distance readings. Um, I do them via email um, where a person can... Um, you know, contact me via email and with what they want me to find out for them. And then I do the reading myself and then we connect by phone after that. And then I send them the reading via email and then we talk about it over the phone. Um, and my email address is the letter R, then Kuykendall, which is K U Y. K-E-N-D-A-L-L at minister.com. All right. And I, and I will definitely put that in the show notes as well. Um, and so, and then what about for locals? Where can, where can they go to get in touch with you? Well, locally, I work at um, Forever Enlightened, and that's in downtown Auburn. And, um, and the, the, let me see him, <laughs> the phone number there, um, at forever enlightened is, let's see, well, they can re reach me at forever enlightened at five, three, zero, eight, six, three, eight, zero, five, nine. Okay, and I will put that in the show notes as well. Um, another question that's coming you know, how, what is the process of, of doing your, did you say dissertation or thesis in Tarot? How, how did that come to be? How did you, did, did you pay that? And how did that work? Well, I, <laughs> it was kind of hard uh, to pass it through the dissertation committee, you know, it's kind of unusual, but um, anyway, uh, I made a case because um, I, 
I don't know if you're familiar with Matthew Fox. I'm not. He, okay, Matthew Fox is a um, well, he he was a Catholic priest um, that ended up uh, getting booted over his stands on um, women in the priesthood and things like that. And um, he's now an Episcopal priest, um, and he's written over 30 books. He had a doctoral program. Um, he originally taught at Holy Names College, well, Holy Names University in Oakland. But anyway, he started this doctoral program, and I, uh, you know, joined it, uh, enrolled in it. And one of the classes that was required was called um, Artist Meditation. And what it was, was a class where instead of meditation in lotus position, you know, sitting, you did meditation while you were doing art. Wow. So what I, so what I did was I, as part of that, I did illustrations of all of the tarot cards myself. Wow. And um, so I showed them to that, that, and I said what I was going to do is write um, text that went with the cards that showed the history and the meaning of each card. Wow. And, and so finally they thought, okay, we'll let you do it. And wow. so I. Wow. Yeah. yeah you, you're definitely highly knowledgeable, that, uh, you know, above and beyond anything that I've that I've ever experienced. Um, so I have one last thing, and you can absolutely, of course, say no, but I think this might be fun for the listeners. Um, if you have a deck handy, would you be willing to draw a card for me and just see what it says? Sure. Um, I just got to go get the de get a deck. It's in the other room. But we'll see what we get. Ooh, that would be interesting. You could grab just one card like that. Yeah. We can do that. I'm taking this. A good one. <laughs> well, we never know. And I'll tell you how I would inter interpret it. Okay. You, uh, what I pulled for you, it's the Seven of Cups. And so my cup at the overflow. <laughs> yeah. The Seven of Cups is. Uh, the card of imagination and I picked it up right too so that's a good thing and it's the card of what imagination and okay because it cut out right when you said it okay <laughs> so anyway so it's imagination and that means that would mean that you're probably and I guess I mean coming up with doing this podcast and everything that you're a very imaginative and creative person Nailed it. <laughs> so, I mean, so that's what that card would say. Wow. Wow. Uh, that was just so fun. So that, that's how it gives you insight to people as you look at that. And, and that's what you, then you know that that's kind of the realm in which, in which you're working with. Yeah. So I'd invite you sometime to come in and I'll give you a reading. I'd love to do that. That that would just be wonderful. And um, I know we've met in person before, and you definitely have all of the good spirit vibes. That's for sure. <laughs> that's good. Thank you. <laughs> well, I had such a great time learning more about tarot with you today. And we can say tarot or tarot, but not tarot. <laughs> right. Although I get some. And um, I. <laughs>
<laughs> and I just really look forward to, um, you know, as I'm sure we're going to get a lot of listener questions off of this episode. And so I'd love to have you back sometime to dive into more what the listeners are curious about. And, um, and also just to continue even in our journey together as well. Sure, that'd be great. We'll include all of the show notes for how people can get in touch with you. And we will be in touch soon. Okay, thank you very much. Thank you, you take care. Bye-bye. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.